0: Welcome to the Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. I'm Danielle Radoitchen. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books to art to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. Today's guest is Simone Rocha, the London-based designer of women's fashion. Born and raised in Ireland, she spent time as a teenager assisting her father, the fashion designer, John Rocha, and studied at the National College of Art and Design and Central Saint Martins, before setting up her eponymous label in 2010. She now lives and works in East London, producing two collections a year. She has been the recipient of a plethora of awards, including British women's wear designer at the British Fashion Awards. According to the journalist Alice Fisher, Roche's designs have riffed on traditional ideas of femininity, but always with edge or unease. I sat down with her to ask her about the things that inspire her. Hi Simone. Hello. Thanks so much for coming on the show. No worries. So we're here in your offices and your your studio in East London um and but it's actually with, I'm talking to you to celebrate the sort of a residency you're doing at five Carlos place mm-hmm. with Manchester fashion. How's all that going
1: um very exciting actually, and yeah it's um it's it's kind of amazing uh the building of five Carlos place, and it's a street I know very well because um I have my own store in my own street, so it's very nice. you're a neighbor. Exactly. It's got like a nice extension of the village. Um, so yeah, but I'm looking forward to a residency and we're going to do something uh, to coincide with my spring summer collection, which was all inspired by my uh, heritage, which is I'm half Chinese. My dad is from Hong Kong um, and
0: we're going to do it for Chinese New Year. So yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. And it's two weeks. You're Two weeks. Two weeks. Because you must be preparing your, to show your Autumn Winter 19 yes. collection. Yes, which is four weeks
1: yesterday. <laughs> and my Montclair collection, which is in four weeks and one day.
0: <laughs> so how many collections are you doing? Because you do two collections a year for your own. For nine. my own brand and two collections a year for Montclair. Wow. So is that an ongoing Thing then, or is it? A yeah, I'm finite? on
1: my. I'm showing my third season in four weeks' time in Milan, and then I'm working on my spring summer twenty for the following season.
0: Actually, at the same t- at this moment in time as well. We've started wow. that. Yeah. And is it the same team for both lines, or uh, do you work with a different?
1: I work with so uh, Simone Roche is all my team here, and everyone in this building. Um, That seems like quite a few staff, is that? Yeah, we're around a team of 25. All women? Um, I I couldn't help noticing. Yeah, (laughs) we have um, one uh, cutter downstairs, uh, who is a man, Uh, but otherwise it's a company of women. But that's 25 over um, design, sales, production, finance. So Mm -hmm. uh, our design team is more around five when we kind of break it down. Um, but I only I work for with Montclair with a design a designated design team in Milan right. so I do all my work over there with them wow. so yeah so keep it a little bit separate um, but one of my team works with me on it
0: and so everything you create for your Simone Russia line is created in-house here at the studio exactly with your team and was that a conscious decision to employ just females um, um, and and why so
1: honestly no <laughs> also if you walk around the building um there's a kind of a split between irish and asian people which is also a coincidence that i'm half irish and half asian um but no it's just my a lot of my team have been with me um for like 6 years 6 7 years since i began especially well actually all my design team and it's yeah it's just been a a, a gang of girls <laughs> Um, but then it's kind of funny because we, I do a lot of collaborations outside of the studio, not design wise, so like photo projects or films or campaigns and they're always with lads. (laughs) So we end up in here, it's lots of women and then we work with like a group of lads as well. So Ah,
0: what are those projects that you're doing with Liz?
1: So we do like printed, I do lots of printed matter for, um, the collections and like kind of collaborations um whether it's on like film or whether it's we're doing we just did this issue of a magazine which is um all based on i did it on ireland and hong kong and that highlighted a lot of um people that i've collaborated in the past from perry ogden to colin dodginson uh but then also people like richard moss this time worked together took a portrait of mary robinson the former president of ireland who's incredible lady um and so like i do kind of these little projects of bringing people together how they interpretate my work Mm. and their work
0: coming together wow you're a busy lady yes (laughs) (laughs) um what in in this podcast we talk about objects that Mm -hmm. are inspiring or have some sort of meaning to you and i was wondering what the first thing was you wanted to talk about
1: so yeah i feel like um Actually, it's funny because my office, there is lots of little objects. objects. I feel a bit like I'm entering your world of objects in here. Um, But some of them I kind of pulled out was something that
0: I'm uh, very attracted to is books Um, and I spend a lot of time. I should say you've got many, many shelves in this office of yours heaving with lots of books, useful books and magazines, back issues of self-service and Vogue um, and sort of photography books.
1: Yeah, lots of photography books, lots of um, artist books. I also love reading. I'm like, uh, I'm really dyslexic, but I absolutely love reading. So I kind of put in one of more of a, a a word book than a visual book, which was Seamus Heaney's Open Ground who was an amazing um, Irish poet who actually only died a few years ago. And um, I, when I think of my personal objects and things that inspire me, Ireland is a big inspiration because it's where I'm from and where I grew up. And um, I find that his words, especially in Open Ground, really gives you a visual sense, smell of what Ireland is like, and it's very realistic. But then it's also poetic and it's not fancy. And that's why um, I think it's an amazing book. And um, yeah so it's, it's a book of his poetry. Another thing is it used to it's um, someone we used to kind of study in school as well. So there's a nostalgia there. And I kind of I always like this. I'm very attracted to things that you almost around by osmosis whether you're in school learning something or you're wearing a school uniform but then later in life I feel very connected to it and how it has affected me today
0: so yeah I thought that could be a nice object to start with do you reread it and come back to it often or is it something that you've read once and just keep it
1: Um I love coming back to things like um in in, in all books so like even like Like on my, I I don't do mood boards for collections. I don't do like a a mood board that everyone like looks at. And it's how I explain the work. I don't really like to break it down like that. But I have a wall in my office where I constantly put up things that come up and down. And a lot of the pieces on it stay there forever. And I find, and even if one season I can, like there's a, Louise Bourgeois sculpture. There is like a Ronnie Horn piece of text. There is um, the first artist proof from one of the first uh, photo books I did with Jacob Lillis. And even though, you know, that photo book is something that we did maybe three years ago, it was this idea of flowers and cars and something man made and natural together, which is what I like to do in my fabrications. So it stays there because it's something that. I always reference, but at different times, I'll go back and I'll see something completely different in it. Um, so yeah, I'm. I like revisiting. I also like doing that in in my work and my collections. I sometimes I like if there's a collection that I wasn't so crazy about, I force myself to go back three four years in time and be like, why didn't you like that or what did you like about it and what can you make better? So I kind of. Treat. Wow, so you're quite tough on yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that must be hard yeah. to do. Yeah, um, but it's good for you. <laughs> um, but I I do the same with like magazines or not so much magazines, but a lot with a lot with books. Read a lot of time with novels. I'll start reading a book and then I'm like, oh, did I read this? <laughs> and then sometimes I'm like, oh, this is this is really sad. I can't go on. And then sometimes I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll just I'll rewatch it. I'll reread it. <laughs> because it's like easy and comfortable. Yeah. So you grew
0: up in Ireland,
1: bang, in the middle of Dublin, um, in a village called Ranella. Uh so you can walk to town in like 10, 15 minutes. And then I went to college in the National College of Art and Design, which is in Thomas Street and the Liberties on the just on the water before you board the north side. So I'm, I'm a real yeah, city kid. You, but, like, it's a very different city.
0: <laughs> and you grew up with your parents and a brother. Yes. And what are the memories of that, of this, of growing up there, that really stand out for you? Um, I
1: really was, just loved being around people and friends, and I spent a lot of time outside, hanging out, being a teenager, you know, mucking about, it was a very um, not naive, but it was very Dublin used to be very kind of free and especially the house that I grew up in was quite bohemian. So Was it a big house? No, it was like um, it was like a n- normal little house. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's kind of like the same size as the house I live in now. Um, but it is it was um, It was in an area where all the kids used to play outside and it was just the norm used to play. I'll I'll never forget when we moved into that house because we'd previously lived in uh, Farnham, which is kind
0: of more like the Wicklow Mountains. I also lived, we lived in Milan uh, when I was a kid. Because your dad is a fashion designer. Exactly. And your mum ran ran his business. Yeah, my mum
1: was his partner for um, their whole career Hmm. Um, and now Myself and my mum worked together. Um, but yeah, so it was quite, um, tra- I'd moved around a lot as a kid. And then when we kind of settled in this place in Randall, I'll never forget my, our neighbour calling in and being like, Oh, what all the kids do is they just, you know, you just bring out your bike and you run up and down the lane and everyone just hangs out and that, that's what you do. And I was like, this is excellent. <laughs> uh, Cause I wasn't
0: very school driven. So I did a lot of messing about with mates. And what, what about it was bohemian? Um, it was Were there people coming to visit,
1: lots of people coming in and out of the house. It was like the opposite of conservative. <laughs> so, um, yeah, lots of people coming in and out to visit lots of different types of people. And I think that's that's what is really amazing about Ireland and Dublin, especially when I was growing up with all the different characters and Obviously, my parents were in the creative industry and Dublin is very, very small. So all the kind of creatives hang out together. So, you know, there would always be music or laughing or dancing or cooking. And yeah, in the, for the holidays, we'd all decamp down to the countryside, down to County Cork and yeah. They it still is, live there, your parents? No, my parents now live between Dublin and London. So, yeah, they're um, between the two. But our family, yeah, I just came back from Christmas. Our family home is still in Dublin. Um, So and um, yeah, my partner's Irish as well, so um, my daughter's other grandparents are also there. So it's only an hour away, so we go back quite often.
0: What's the next object you wanted to talk about?
1: Mm, So I thought it was probably an well, it is a lot of books but um the other thing was a series of photographs from hong kong which are not actually here um da-da-da. let me just have a look um, which are well i'll describe it to you and then i can find the pictures so it obviously my dad is from hong kong and i was very fortunate to grow up visiting Hong Kong a lot as, well, here's one of the pictures. I'll find it, I'll find it, so a, minute. a <laughs> Beautiful picture of a,
0: one of those pastel-y flats in Hong Kong hanging on your exactly. wall. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So that to me is Hong Kong. This is like uh, central Hong Kong, which is, this area in particular is called North Point, where my family grew up. And my dad is one of seven children. And where they grew up was all these huge, big uh, apartments. So, well, sorry, I wonder to really call them apartments, uh, flats. Um, but what's so amazing for me was how somewhere so small could still feel so special. And it was the fact that all these buildings are all these pastel washed out colors. And they're even now all the construction is still like it's all bamboo. And it's got, you know, a green gauze across the top and that filters the colour again. And then it's kind of amazing. You can see all this random foliage growing up and it's this mix of the cement and then nature coming together. And it's something that um, I've always found very attracted to because it's like part of my family life. But then something that more recently I've been drawing more inspiration from, which is the collection that's going to go into residency.
0: Mm. so that was a book collection of photographs. So this is a
1: collection of photographs that um was documented by my partner for which was documenting my family going to Qingming which is a the equivalent of the Chinese So your partner he's a
0: photographer or a documentarian he's
1: yeah he's a cinematographer and we were doing we did a little film on my family because since we've been together he started visiting it as well and we've been just kind of documenting our family traditions whether that's meals or in particular this thing called Qingming where we all go and visit my two grandparents who've passed away in the cemetery Um, and that kind of ritual and feeling is what um, this whole spring summer collection was about so this other object is a collection of those photographs
0: what do you think the best thing to do for people who are going to visit hong kong mm-hmm. what's the thing that you recommend they go and do eat <laughs>
1: you have to go and eat <laughs> lots of delicious food um but yeah i think is there a particular restaurant or um, a type of
0: food they got to try we
1: don't go fancy go local is the 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 way but um yeah i think it's it's amazing uh it's such an amazing city because it's to me as a half outsider, half insider, it is so extreme, the the modern and heritage and it's all put together. You know, I think that's what's so amazing. Like you could have um like now there's a big now I admit I know Hong Kong side, but uh, central more than Kowloon side, because that's where we've always been, uh, but it's very close. Um, but I think what's amazing, for example, like now there's loads of amazing galleries have gone in, houses house and births have gone in and you know, they're in what you have this beautiful gallery in one building and then below you have a man, you know, selling uh, egg cake, you know, <laughs> and it, and it does, you know, the mix is so amazing. Whereas in other cities, it's can be segregated. And I think, Everyone is just in it together. And I think yeah, the best thing to do in Hong Kong is walk around and eat and see, see people.
0: I love the escalators that go up the hill.
1: Oh, yeah. Up to the so cool. It's amazing. And like the peak is, is it's so cool because it's you're literally on a mountain into the water, but then there's actually apartments coming out of it. And it's, I just think all these contrasts, it's just like, yeah, it's a, yeah.
0: it's an amazing city. Yeah. So you decided yeah. when you were young, teenager, that you wanted to become a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I read somewhere that you said it was inevitable that you would become mm. a fashion designer. Um, so learning from your father and as, 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 what he was doing, what have you done consciously in a different way to him?
1: Um, lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> in a way that we are, we're actually incredibly similar personality, but then do you get along? Really well. Yeah, we're very, very, very close. And I have a huge amount of uh, love and respect for everything that he's done in his career and with his advice I've been able to do with my career. Um, And it's been very interesting that for me, I always wanted to be able to, the the difference is, um, as a woman designing for women, I've always felt extremely, it's very important and powerful for the clothes to have that feeling. And that's something that I think is, is different in our aesthetics, just because of human nature. Uh, but then also, it's been very, um, I made a conscious decision that I wanted to be in London, and that I wanted to be able to live here and design here and show in London and be on a international platform which um, was something that is like his career but now the world has changed so much whether it's the introduction of online or whether it's social media or whether it's how you portray your message which is why I'm very interested in photography and art and collaboration and how my designs people can see them and view them so that's also mm-hmm. probably a little bit different but I think that's also to do with the times
0: yeah and you and we said your mother is your run, is your business partner mm-hmm. now um, and you, you've said how much you enjoy running a business and being a, a business woman um, how does well that...
1: enjoy <laughs> It's a very successful business.
0: Um, yeah. you make your 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 um, profits are going up. Yeah, and no, and it's been um, it, which is it's really impressive. I mean, you must be proud of yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm delighted.
1: Actually, yeah. I have to admit, it's something that um, I never recognized how not ambitious, but how I've always been really driven by wanting to do collections that I am satisfied with and they're inspiring and it's something that I find really stimulating and then that grows into how people how people wear them, how they feel. So that comes into the the feeling the production of them. But then also then how do those people have it? So then that also comes into the distribution. So it all and then you realise that's actually what business is. And that's why that's how I approach it and how I enjoy it. And, you know, from distribution, you know, how can I m- people see my whole world? OK, I need to, I, I'm going to open my own stores and, you know, be able to bring people into what I do to share it. And that's how my business has grown, which has been fantastic. And yeah, I suppose, like some days I enjoy it, some days I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but because it comes from a place that genuinely comes from me originally designing clothes, shoes, bags, fabrics.
0: It I've done it in a way that is natural and right for mm. me. So mm. yeah. And how do you deal with the pressure to continue expanding and growing? Um, how will you manage to? I mean, are you thinking about getting into other categories? Um, and how do you do that, but still keep the core? Yeah, because we, purity of the of the of the brand.
1: Yeah, like everything that is designed in in the whole label comes from uh, this building and everything and it all comes from um from our fittings from the collection. It we I don't work on computers. I don't work. We have a sample room downstairs. We make all our samples in-house. All our fabrics, we hand embroider them all here before we work with mills to translate them into fabrics. And actually, all of that is so stimulating. So, that actually is what makes you want to do it all the time. And it actually makes you want to make it better all the time. <laughs> so, different categories like for now, now, we do a huge amount of jewelry and like our hair slides and uh, beaded hairbands. They all came, the embellished hair slide originally came from, I did do a lot of embellishment on my garments and I wanted for the show to, how could I extend the silhouette? You know, how how can I do that? Maybe I can bring the embellishment up onto the head because historically I've been like, okay, I'm going to work it into the shoe because I want them all to be connected. And I like, when the whole range is there, I'm always like... The shoes are talking to the dresses and the dresses are actually talking to the bags and they're having a conversation with the coats and <laughs> i do feel like they all have to have a place and i think because that's how i approach it hopefully even if we're expanding all the time that'll run through it mm. uh, yeah
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> what other objects have you got there um so
1: i've got these books Oh, my God, it's like it's like a library, sorry, <laughs> right. um, which is um, Louise Bourgeois's, um Stitches in Time, which is this is um, I'm a really vocal fan of her work and um, I've always felt extremely uh, connected to her artworks and how her personal feelings and heritage was translated into art, and um, and I've always found it as an inspiration for my collections. But this particular book is my favourite book because it's the very first time I saw her work physically. And um, because why did you see it? I saw it in Emma, which is the Irish Museum of Modern Art. So it's when and it was when I was around sixteen, and is when I lived in uh, no seventeen when I lived in Dublin and I was coming out of school and going into college, and also when I was a teenager even though like I'm 32 now, when I was a teenager, you know, there actually wasn't online the way it is now. And I'm delighted, you know, I'm really lucky that I got to see so many things with my own eyes first. Um, And this was one of those really pivotal things. And it was just an amazing uh, to see her body of work. And I was going into art college and I was torn between doing fine art and didn't think I wanted to do fashion or textiles um, because I thought it'd be a cliche, <laughs> but I did a year where I did everything. And then the final discipline was uh, fashion. And I was like, oh, dear, this is how I can create emotion, create feeling. You know, I, I can't as much as I'd like to me doing a lino cutting of flowers for six hours afterwards people are going to be like yeah whatever (laughs) whereas you know I started thinking about dress and nurses dress and then nurses hats and then how they were constructed and actually would that shape be amazing and a skirt almost like a bustle and then what fabrication would that be and then when you put it on how would that make you feel would you feel protected because actually do nurses protect you because they're healing you and then I was like oh dear this is this is what I should be doing you know it's it was just how my brain could articulate ideas into something physical, and yeah, this was that was kind of a very important part of my life. Learning that, and it was also the same time that I had learned about, was introduced to Louise Bourgeois' work, and you know she came from a textile background. Her family uh, ran a tapestry, and she um, a lot of her work is represented by that time that. The spider represents her mother weaving and I just felt very connected to it because obviously it, you know my family are also from you know textile industry so yeah I thought she'd be important to put in as something pivotal in my life. Mm. So yeah. So there's a few of her books there because now I revisit her oh this is the very first book and then now I've done numerous projects with her and Hauser and Wert on how she inspires me and yeah and we're working on some collaborations together
0: did you meet her no mm.
1: I've been to her home I went to her house the year she died and mm. because um, I was due to meet her mm. through a family friend and um, so unfortunately no because I was obsessed when I was in college she used to do a salon where you could go students could go and show her her work your work and I was obsessed and I was like mm. I have to do that and yeah, but unfortunately she passed away. But
0: her work is still incredible mm. and always inspiring. And so the work you do with Hauser and Worth around her yeah, work, how, what, what's that?
1: We're working on, I don't know if I'll talk about it yet. It's coming out next week, but we're working on a project and making something physical um, between uh, her as an inspiration and myself. So like a kind of collaboration from the grave. (laughs) So that should be nice. Sounds intriguing. Yeah, so that's like the projects that I love doing as well. Um, And then I remember, and the only thing I said that I gave to the cabinet was all my rings, but I take them off every time I work, so they're on my desk. (laughs) But I can get them if you like.
0: Um, We can look at them after the recording finishes maybe.
1: Yeah, I've got, so I just, because I actually, I wear my rings every day, but every day I'm working. Anytime I'm is it? How many rings are there? Um, one, two, three, four, five.
0: And these belong to your grandmother.
1: Yes, so they're a mix of from my. This is so funny. Like imagining that they're here. <laughs> they're a mix from my, yeah, from my granny. So there's a sovereign, which was my granny's, which was given to me when she passed away, and um, yeah, I just I absolutely love it, and so it's a it's a is like an old coin, encased very classic, and sovereigns are also quite Irish. And like growing up, it was quite a symbolic thing. So when she passed away, and it was given to me, I was thrilled. Um, and then I have a my most recent ring that I'm wearing is I have a little ring that says Mum, uh, because now I have a three-year-old daughter, and the ring is kind of tacky, but I kind of like it. <laughs> um. So yeah, and then I have a antique, so they're all, well, by the mum, which is new. I have an antique cameo ring, um, which is beautiful because it's got a gold wire scallop on the outside, which is kind of like a daisy. And it's just so nice to see a cameo frame like that. And my grandmother used to wear a lot of cameos. And then I have a, it's almost like a sovereign but it's in it's got like an amber heart in the middle. So it's where a sovereign should have a coin, but it is a, an amber heart and um yeah, it's an Irish antique as well. So actually they like they're, they're all Irish bar the mum ring, which I think is from Argos. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um and then I have a tiny antique Cartier leopard ring which um, I wear on my pinky which was uh, from my parents for my 21st birthday, which was my first adult, responsible adult gift. But what's so amazing about it is it's vintage and it's too big. And the way they used to make rings smaller was they put a little ball inside. So it has this amazing little uh, ball inside that keeps on your finger.
0: They don't do that anymore? I don't think so. Mm
1: -hmm. Because now when you resize a ring, I think they slice it open. And, you know, so this is... It's got this tiny little ball inside, so it's just a really beautiful construction. Um, mm. But I take them off every day when I'm wearing. Do you not worry about losing them? Well, I'm really hoping no one in the office would steal them. <laughs> <laughs> I have not know in the way of forgetting where they were. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I well sometimes like I do take them off and like like I leave like at home or something, and I'm like, uh, but I'm always like, no, they're. They're here, they're they're close. Mm. But they've been something that have been very kind of signature to me and like yeah, I wear it every day. Mm. Um but even even when I was in college, I used to wear a lot of rings and like I'd be at the sewing like don't spend a huge amount of time at the sewing machine anymore. Uh but I'd be at the sewing machine and you'd just see a little you know I was at that machine because there'd be a little pile of like three rings on the side. (laughs) I
0: love that. We know Simone's at work because of the little pile of rings.
1: Yeah, or if I'm not wearing any, that means I'm usually working.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So as a woman at the helm of a fashion label, you draw um, comparisons to other women who do things like that, like uh, Yucha Prada, Mm -hmm. um, Ray Kawakubo, Comme des Garcons. Um, How do you, have you thought, Ever about do you emulate them in any way or are they inspirations to you
1: um i have always been a big believer in respecting your elders i think it's incredibly important and i think for example someone like ray kawakubu whose work i have admired my whole life i admire and respect her so much more now as a designer because when I was first introduced to her and Comte de Garçon as a a designer, they really understood my ethos and could recognize that I respect their work and, you know, brought me into the fold and made me part of their fam, their Derby Street Market family. And I think it's it's not even an idea of influence. I think it's more of an idea of respect. And yeah, like it's it's the only show fashion show that I attend bar my own, which isn't really like going to a show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, it's it that is evidently an influence. Um, But in a in a way that it's more respecting all the work that a label like des Garçons have done for s- such a long time and it to be run and designed by a woman who then is still open to the world and making it so current and provocative and interesting every season. And yeah, I find that incredibly inspiring and something that I would want to do in my work. Um, also someone like Muchia Prada, whose work has always been so historical for also pushing forward all the time and that's something that I yeah also really respect. Mm.
0: I like the way that you design clothes in a way that sort of takes it's incredibly beautiful opulent um uh crafted and bespoke in a way and then but it's matched with this practicality Mm. um sort of a a flat shoe um or you know there's a you feel like there's room to move in the clothes they're not constricting in any way
1: totally and i love i i i love practicality and i love i love reality like a lot of a lot of the photo books you can see here a lot of them are documentary that's what i'm really attracted like capturing a real moment in time with real people and I am also, you can see the other thing I'm very attracted to is something that's a little more historical and almost like I like to not poke fun, but I like to be provocative with things that are historically very feminine, i.e. pearls. Mm -hmm. But I think when I look at it in a way that's rooted in reality, I find that really interesting and really stimulating. And I also think yeah, I think the practicality of it is, I want people to be able to wear my clothes. I want them to feel something when they wear it, but I still want people to be able to to wear them, and with that comes, you know, a practicality.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, what have you? What's the last object? I think we've talked oh, about yeah. four things. So now. then,
1: I think we were gonna do. These are kind of the same thing. Well, it's a few objects, but this is um, this is a plaster doll, which um, I made with in conjunction with these amazing plasterers, because um, when I was starting to design my own stores, it was very important for me for them to feel connected to the collections like I should probably establishing I'm obsessed with every leg like, of the business feeling the like that the interconnectedness <laughs> of everything inside exactly the building like, yeah yeah um so once I started to decide to open stores in Main Street and Wood Street um it was the interiors were very important and I wanted to do um the give all the stores cornicing which is something that I've always been very attracted to in a historical way but then my I was trying to figure out how I could interpret that in a way that was singular, So we started by designing our own cornice. I started designing it almost like a fabric and um, was kind of seeing if we could do all these kind of bulbous roses, how would that work in plaster? And then I was like, it could be really nice because I love contrasts that we mix it with something that's really classic, which is this, which is called the egg which is a type of cornicine And this is the first proto. Um, but we ended up developing it into a mold. And I work with an amazing guy, a plasterer in Essex. And they have this like big workshop where they do um, all these kind of classic molds. And now with me, we make all these really funny things. <laughs> so um this ended up becoming um edging all of our stores but so then the plaster doll which well i can probably give you both of them um if they'll fit in the cabinet but the plaster doll was when spring summer 17 not very good at the dates but it was the red we i called it the red dolls collection it was all about this idea of naivety and dressing up in your mother's clothes and have kind of been playful and I wanted when we did an instant we do a huge amount of installations and um, I wanted to bring that kind of doll feeling back into it so I worked again with the plasters to create all these little plaster dolls so yeah I thought he could be nice to go in just to kind of illustrate how I like to do something I still like to do something very physical um, when we're doing encasing the collection in some way
0: and you've got um a room with a view DVD I do. There, sitting yeah. there, which we haven't spoken about but I think you wanted to
1: yeah well it was yeah also other like things that have influenced me and it's it's one of my like favorite films and I actually I love Merchant Ivory because I actually think it's hilarious <laughs> and I act, like it's so well one it's I think it's very beautiful. And I love the. I always love obviously, the costumes, the music, the locations. But this film I was obsessed with when I was a teenager. And it's mainly because I, it's so dry. And I kind of I love the uh, the thing I've always loved about it is that, you know, from the outset, it isn't what it seems. It looks like, well, like all merchandise. They look like kind of period dramas, which they are, but I think they're still so sharp and witty, and I just find that really, really interesting. And it's a film that I often rewatch. Do you like the costumes? I do like the costumes. They're a little bit uptight, <laughs> <laughs> but but at the same time, it's kind of like it's okay. I bef- like you like it, they get away with it. Yeah. Um, but like, I really like costumes when they're like playing tennis, you know, and it's kind of like a bit dishevelled, or like. I'm really into Cecil because he's Daniel Day-Lewis. But then he's also like he's so uptight that he's almost falling apart. And I find that really good. So, yeah, I thought that'd be a nice one to put in the cabinet because it's yeah, I've always like it's a balance of like historical, physical,
0: art, um, Ireland and Hong Kong. So, yeah, it's a good collection. So what's next for you and the company? Have you got plans or do you have a vision of how it's going to go? Um, I have some
1: plans. Um, at the yeah we we've s- some interesting projects happening this year. Um, but yeah, is it more in the collaborative realm or is it expanding uh, the? It's current? more expanding the Simone Rocha world, and yes, yeah, still working with Montclair, which um I'm also really enjoying. And yeah, it's a completely different learning curve and doing something active is super exciting and so yeah working on two collections for them as well at the moment so yeah
0: that's really exciting well thank you so much for talking to us and i'm really looking forward to seeing what you do at five carlos place and all your exciting collaborations and things for the year to come amazing thank you thank you That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about 5 Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website. And you can join the conversation on social media by searching for @MatchesFashion, Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man and the hashtag 5 Carlos Place. Thanks for listening.